This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hey, AfterBuzz TV listeners. Want to share your opinions, give feedback, or tell us what you're thinking? Send us a voice message. Voice messages are an easy way for you to send us audio that might end up in a future episode of our After Show. They're the latest feature from Anchor, the platform we use to publish and distribute our podcasts to you for free. You could send us voice messages about all sorts of topics. Maybe questions you have for us, what you thought of the latest episode of this TV show, or even your best impression of one of the characters. We'll see all of your messages, and we might even add them into a future episode. Anchor makes this part super easy. You can send us a voice message right now from wherever you're listening. Just tap the link in the show notes. We cannot wait to hear from you. Hi, AfterBuzzers. Welcome to Spotlight On. We have the amazing Sal Masichella here tonight. Stay tuned and don't go anywhere. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz you will come out to two? Yes! You actually look right there. So okay. Perfect. Yeah, perfect. No, you actually look there. You look right there. There you go. <laughs> Hi, you guys! This is Spotlight On. I'm your host, Luisa Sharamati, and with the amazing Sal Masakella. How about our last names? Right? Sharamatia Masakella. That's and a party. That's an awesome combo. Sharamatia, that's a good law firm. Really? Yeah. Sharmatia <laughs> and Masakella. We have a lot of Armenian attorneys. Yeah. <laughs> but your last name is actually very nice. I'm proud I said it correctly. You you crushed it. And people awesome. always get it very wrong. Awesome. Well, welcome, first of all. Thank you very much for yeah, having me. Yeah, thank you so much. You know, a lot of times me. people stop me and they're like, hey, I want you to do my thing. And then you never hear from them again. And Damn. you're like, Hollywood. <laughs> they were just trying to make me feel good in the streets. No, I'm I'm happy we met on Nat Geo Press Day. Yes. Because that's how we met, At actually. the TCAs. Yeah, the TCAs, where you are promoting Story of God, which we'll talk about. Yes. But before we get into that and all of that, you know, um, I've known you forever, from, like, Daily 10, where I first met you, like, not not really, like, on the screen when I first saw you. When I was, I was in your life five nights a week. You were. Actually, with, seven. Yes. We'd re-air the show on the weekends. So. Yes, with Kat Sadler. Kat we Sadler. We love you, Kat. Debbie Matinopoulos. Yes, yes. Shout out to my girl, Deb, at HGTV. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Kat, who's just crushing it. Love you. She has a new podcast. It's, oh, it's naked, incredible. right? Naked, yeah. Check that I'm out. out. I'm out. See how I'm out here. I'm out see? here promoting for my peoples. That's why you know it's true. true Cat's out. Uh, she's my sister for life. Like she's family, and her yeah. new podcast, Naked, um, is amazing. But it was a, it was a great five years at E. Yeah. Uh, I learned so much when yeah. you're thrust into a daily entertainment news show. Man, and you had long dreadlocks throughout that. Long, time, right? beautiful, flowing <laughs> dreadlocks that um, I cut off like. Five years ago? Wow. Yeah, I, I was in a relationship for seven and a half years. Wow. And it ended badly. And 
you wake up one day and you're like, I can't stop crying. I need to do something. And I, I literally like change everything. I just like went to my boy and I was like, cut it off. He's like, I can't. I'm like, cut the shit off. And it ended up being like that was like the beginning of the healing period. But I'd yeah. never been through like a real heartbreak before. Damn, where man. you like physically are broken. And I got it. I got it hard. Like, it took a couple of years to get over, but I, you know, and you're I cut good my hair. now. You're over it. I'm good. Yeah. Are, you, are you meditating though? Did it make you meditate? I, it made me do everything. Yeah, yeah. Med- <laughs> meditating, uh, therapy, yeah. the whole nine yards. But um, wow. no, he was he was a, a a magic place, and it gave me so much. And you know, when you work every day in television, where you're writing, you know, the show every day, and and you're you, then you have to go and sh- tape the show, and then you're going out to do junkets, etc. You just I feel like I walked in there like decent at what I do, and I left there like a real professional. So, okay, speaking of E and all of that, but before E, I want to know how you first got into this industry. In the television? Yeah. Yeah. Like where you grew up and how you kind of fell into this. I grew up in, well, first of all, I grew up in New York City. Okay. Uh, in Staten Island, the Shaolin. Ooh. Shout out to Wu-Tang Clan. I nice. went to school with Method Man. <gasps> What? I went to school with Matthew Man. We were in elementary school together. That's so cool. Same class. We used to sit next to each other. Damn. You're um, really cool. I'm lucky to be here right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Back then, he was Clifford Smith. Okay. And people called me by my full name, Salema. Oh, it's full, long name. Yeah, Salema Masakella. And then when I moved to California, when my, my family moved to California when I was like 16, um, they moved to a small town in the north of San Diego called Carlsbad. It's a much bigger town now. Oh, people um, go there for vacation Yeah, all the like time. now there's Legoland and, and, yeah. and everything there. But my parents moved to Carlsbad. And I didn't know where we were. This was like in the late late 80s, early 90s. I didn't know where we were moving to. There wasn't, there was, I couldn't Google that shit, you yeah. know? And, um, <laughs> you know. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. You know, you move to this town that ends up being like a surf town and and a skateboard town. And I was already skateboarding a little bit, um, but I started surfing uh, and then snowboarding shortly after that. And it happened to be like the place that was the mecca of that whole culture. So I started working at a snowboarding, skateboarding magazine shortly after I got out of high school. And I really fell in love with the industry uh, and, and with the culture. It was super creative. You know, there was this place where, like, you got to hang out with your friends that all did this thing that was, wow. you know, you were pushing each other to try and be better. Like After Buzz, kind of. Kind of like After Buzz, yeah. yeah. And um, that's how I got into television. So you so, had no idea you would even stumble into that. No, like, we wow. would take turns at events that like we were putting on and take turns on the on the mic. And wow. you're just like having fun and I had a kind of had a knack for it. I grew up in theater. Um I grew up and it like in 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 bands and stuff. So and my my father was a, a a prolific musician and my earliest memories of hanging out with my dad was watching him on stage. And as much as he was a great performer playing music, he also was like a dope storyteller and entertaining the crowds between songs. So I kind of learned a little bit of that yeah. like how to how to move the crowd and it ended up playing, you know, 3000 miles away in something wow. that had nothing to do with music. You know, sitting by the side of a half pipe, basically yeah. like just entertaining the crowd. And it was around that time that people started putting the sports on television. 
and the X Games was born and things like that. My first start was actually at MTV. So before E, you were at MTV. Yeah. Oh, so wow. I started at MTV. Um, I used to host something called the Sports MTV Sports and Music Festival, which, when you hear something crazy, I hadn't seen Meth, Method Man since eighth grade. And fast forward, like, you know, t- almost 20 years later, and he's Method Man of the Wu-Tang Clan, and he ends up being my co-host at the MTV Sports Ooh, and Music Festival. That is crazy. And they're like, have you ever heard of Method Man? I'm like... <laughs> Um, yes. So yeah, that was like our, our reunion, reunion, like these after kids. And, years. Yeah, like after we had, had two different total lives and we came back together there. So I started at MTV and then ESPN. I got a job at ESPN um, as a sideline reporter at the X Games, ESPN X Games. And then that, that was really where I got my television education. I started off oh, as... Like hands-on. Like hands-on. Okay. They were like, oh, this kid's an... I was an expert in the sports. Yeah. I had been working in the industry. I knew all the athletes. I knew all the tricks, etc. I could explain the culture to an audience that was like, why, why am I watching this? And it was fun to be able to try and win this audience over yeah. you know, I also was a fan of, of basketball and baseball and football so I could make the analogies and find the ways to make comparisons so that people would be like okay I'll watch this a little bit longer like help people appreciate why these are athletes just as important as the other athletes that you're you know fans of on your favorite sports teams um and then, you know, that, that really picked up over time, a couple of years, where they made me the host of the overall X Games. That's why they say you're, like, the voice of um, X Games. Of the X like, sports culture, yeah. Vo- yeah. And then you also did some stuff with Red Bull, too, right? Yeah. Red Bull Media. Afterwards. Yeah, so I was at ESPN for 13 years. That's um, a long time. Super long time. And I was, wow. at a certain point, I was at E and ESPN at the same time. That's crazy. So I would do the, the Daily 10, uh, and then I'd leave, take leave of absences to go and do, like, X Games events. Which was crazy to suddenly be like in the peak of like entertainment and sports. Sports, you were like there. Yeah, at the same time. And I left ESPN. Well, the Daily 10 was over at the end of 2010. Um, And at that point, I left kind of happy. Like, the the style of that whole gossip world had gotten really Mm -hmm. nasty. Mm. And like, you know, and, and just and dirty and, and it wasn't really about the entertainment anymore it's like every day you came to work and it's like okay you have to uncover who might be banging who and you know who almost died from an OD etc that's all they seem to want to put on TV and I was like I kind of have fun with like the other stuff and I, I tried to do the show in a way that was more like a wink of a wink and a nod that we were even talking about it you know, uh, I always look at it as like people would come home from work or whatever and they just want to take their mind off something yeah. it's not real news and they were like, "No, this is real news, and you're going to start treating it like real news." And I'm like, like, "I think no. my, I think my watch has ended." Yeah, and um, that's right around the time that we got canceled. But um, yeah, and so then I went back into you know just kind of more of of what I was doing at ESPN, and then I left ESPN in 2013 to go work with the Red Bull Media House, where I've been for almost six years. So you're currently still there, or? Yeah, I'm still with Red Bull. I do a series called the Red Bull Signature Series. We were on NBC. Now we're on uh, Fox Sports 1 and Fox. Um, We just got picked up for another two seasons there. And then at the same time, I've been doing a lot of documentary correspondence. I had a show on Vice, on Viceland, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, called um, Vice World of Sports. That was the first show that I got to executive produce. And host, which was an incredible fun, took me all around the world, Cuba, Africa, Australia, 
um, Europe, you know, all through the states. I got to ex- explore native reservations and just looking at, at, at culture and, and, and the lens of humanity through sports. So that even if you weren't a sports fan, mm-hmm. you could appreciate um, our show. And then that's what led me to this, this spot now where I've been able to do some really fun stuff with, um, with National Geographic, with Nat Geo. You know, I started off on Nat Geo Explorer. They liked sort of my style a little yeah. bit, and then they said, "Hey, do you want to do you want do you want to do some work for Morgan Freeman?" I and I read that how he picked you, right? He wanted you specifically, right? Yeah. Which wow. Was, um, yeah, he met me at um, we we met at um, an upfronts event okay. in New York, and we were sitting at the same table, and he he came over and said hello, and he t- started telling me stories about how he met my father. Hugh Masekela, by yeah, the way, a, father, a legend, legendary Hugh Masekela. Yeah, yes, but how he had met my father coming up in the seventies. Oh my god, you're you know, probably like, oh my. And this god. is back like Morgan Freeman, like <gasps> you know, Electric Company, um, you know, Sesame he, Street days. You know, oh, damn. And um, so you just hear that, and we had a nice rapport, and I was just tripping out that I was even talking to him. Yeah. And then two weeks later, you know, I get a call from my agent, and he's like, "So Morgan Freeman's production company would like to, they want to talk to you." Damn. I was like, what are, you, what are you saying? Like, I don't know. You should go in. Went in for a meeting, talked about the show, and they said, you know, would you like to come out and do a couple of stories? And I was like, yes, I would. So it's pretty cool to be able to say, like, Morgan Freeman. Yeah. When Morgan, when Morgan yeah. Freeman says yes. Sal Masekela, <laughs> like the first time that I, I, on the first time, and, and uh, what are these, like, and Sal Masekela went to England, and I was like, oh, my God. You should you record know? that as your yeah. voicemail. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's, um, it's been real fun. Um, working with them and yeah I've, I've had a crazy ride you know for two decades now you yeah. know I started I started basically 20 years ago I never would have thought that I would have lasted two years in this yeah. business I was just excited to be like wait you want me to go on TV and talk about skateboarding and snowboarding and surfing like okay um, and so yeah what I've been able to, to, to do in that time and to be able to move through different platforms and mm-hmm. not just get stuck. Most people get pigeonholed, you know, and I've been lucky yeah. to not. And that's the thing right now with everything being so digital, right? And just being streaming versus having all these network shows. I think a lot of people have the advantage of being a YouTuber and, and speaking and doing all of that. But I feel like you've tapped into it all. Like you, Yeah, and I think like the, the digital end of things, I think, is, is something that I want to pursue a little bit more. Um, I haven't done it like really formally, but um, I enjoy taking advantage of it just on my platforms and seeing the way I can communicate with my audience and, and, and people respond. But it's a trip now, like if you want to work on networks or on the big platforms. Like 20, 10 years ago, I wasn't competing for someone's attention from their phone. Yeah. Now everything's on. Yep. You know, they can just like, they might say so there are some people who are far more entertained, like, Sitting and watching somebody, you know, do their makeup or talk about their day, mm-hmm. than they are to necessarily be entertained by professionals. So the the playing field is far is even now, and you get to see all sorts of talent rise. And then for people like myself, it's like, well, you can't rest on your laurels. So like, you got to continue to step your game up. And I like that. Do you feel like it's important to have some kind of plan B in the industry starting out? For example, if you're like a young host that's trying to make it. How important is it to have different hustles going on? Because you know how inconsistent this industry is. Yeah, I think that it's 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 an interesting sort of deal, right? Like, 
I always tell people, like, if you really want this, you got to throw yourself 100% mm-hmm. in. Like, you can't just have a foot in. At the same time, be realistic and know when it is that you should be thinking about a bigger picture. Yeah. Um, because the chances of you making it, the chances of you having a 20-year career are slim. Even for, like, a lot of your most... I feel sorry for a lot of, like, the real the real famous young social media stars. Because what happens for a lot of these kids, let's say they start to really break out at 15, 16, 17, 18, whatever. And the next thing you know, they grow up. And they're in their 20s. And their audience is like, moved on. Mm-hmm. So like, what are you going to do that on the one. back end of that? Especially mm-hmm. if you've been enjoying like this real like daily affirmation, fame, and comments, et cetera, et cetera. And then all of a sudden, you know, oh, I got to switch up my deal. Like, I can't just pretend like I'm still that kid. Um, I've had to do that myself, yeah. you know. Um, just be willing to be like, all right, cool. I know that it's time for me to, like, open up my lens a little bit in how I'm going to tell stories because I'm not the coolest guy on the block anymore. And I don't necessarily want to be. I would like to be someone who's, like, the guy who still lives on the block 10 years from now yeah. than the coolest guy on the block. And someone relatable, though. Yes. Yeah, that's the And feel thing. like people can relatable. grow with me, you know. And I, and that's my favorite thing when I'm out in, in the streets and, and people do come up to me. they like, yo... I grew up with you. Like, I love what you're doing now. I loved what you did then. Like, I'm down for where you're going next. I feel like I grew up with you. I'm telling you on Daily 10. That's how it was. So when I saw you that day on Nat Geo, you know, there's actually a surprise picture. Our producer will (laughs) (laughs) post up of that day. But when I saw you sitting there, I'm like, is that Sal? So when I saw you with... Nat Geo and Morgan Freeman. I'm like on the same I, stage. As yes, Morgan on the same stage, tripping, tripping and, out, like yeah, looking over at a certain out. point, and being like, "Is this really yes, happening?" Yes, and, yeah. and um, I, I didn't know. I'm like, you know what? I need to talk to him and ask him about his life right now because I had no idea where you went. I'm like, where is Sal? But I didn't realize it was your hair that was probably different. <laughs> yeah, and and that's it's interesting. Like when I cut <laughs> when I cut my hair, I went through a big deal with like agents and managers and everyone. Good or bad? Was bad in the beginning. Really? Yeah. I think it's amazing. Well, thank you. I but, think it's awesome. But think about it. I had dreads on TV for over a decade. That's how we know. Yeah, we knew you. On two really big shows. And outside of Sway in that era, yeah. it was Sway and myself. And it was you. <laughs> we were the only people that had dreads yes. on TV. He still has dreads. No, he cut oh, his. Okay. Yeah, he cut his too. Okay. We have... Endless stories about being mistaken for each other and signing each other's autographs when we had dreads and when we didn't. But so people, people were like, "That's your signature." And my it was so when I first cut it, I didn't think it was going to be that drastic until a you look in the mirror and you're like, "I barely recognize me." B you go out in the street and you walk by people you know and they're just like, they just walk by. I was like, "Oh shit, anonymity! This is amazing," but. Because of that, people suddenly, you're not cool anymore. Like, people were literally like, you just threw it all away because that's your calling card. That's how people know you. And I was like, well, if if they only know me by this look, then clearly they weren't, yeah. maybe maybe they weren't listening to what I had to say. Oh, amen, yeah. And I don't know if I want to be in a business where, you know, my hair, like literally a hairstyle that was a personal yeah. choice of mine. Um, would be the measure of whether or not I'm talented enough to continue to move forward. So my career did take a little bit of a dip. Like, I wasn't getting calls. It was hard to get... Wow. People weren't calling me for to come and host. I, 
when I was at, like the Daily Ten X Games deal, like I was saying no to stuff every weekend. It was like you and you get spoiled because people, you know, they want to take advantage of it. Like that you're on these two big platforms and you're recognizable, and suddenly like not being recognizable is just. How like, did you deal with that? Like realistically, it was. Uh, it, hard. It, it was hard and it was good at the same time because it was reminded that what I do and who I am are two different things. True. And this is a business where it's for a lot of people, it's like that's all one. And you have to be able to you have to be able to look at yourself and say, if this whole thing goes away, am I gonna be good? And not like Am I going to be able to eat? Like, am I just going to be able to like be cool with me and function as a human being? And mentally, yeah. yeah. Is this is this the sole source of my identity, or is who I am as a person fueling this other part? And that was the greatest gift ever. Like, just to go through, like, to go from to go from like, seeing paparazzi in the street and being like, okay, um, maybe I'm going to go this way, to be able to walk past paparazzi. And have them not Two know who you are. Two sides of the world that you were on, kind of. Yeah, like that. like that. To be able to, like, to go walk up to the club where you've been getting in to the front of the line all the time. And you know the, the bouncer dudes. And they're looking at you like, can I help you? Yo, it's me, bro. It's And then watching yeah. them be like, oh, damn, Sal. Like, I'm sorry. Like, you good? But it was, uh, it was, it was something that. Took a while to to, to get digest. used to to digest, and then it was like also a relief because I could just go out and not have to worry about people coming up and want to take pictures at dinner or any of those things. It, it's it's been nice to like I'll always enjoy what that was like. Yeah, like it was it was insane. Yeah. And maybe there might be something that I do that where that happens again, but I value now my ability to like go to work and when I leave. I'm not, I don't have to worry about that, just that other layer of people wanting you, wanting a piece of you all the time. Because now you have a peace of mind. I yeah. think you've just evolved into this man where it's like, I know who I am. I'm authentic. I go to work. I come home. Yeah. Leave and me it's, alone. Yeah. You know? And it's all, <laughs> that's, that's just, it's also like you said, it's, it's part of growing up. Yeah. And it's okay to grow up. Man. So I'm just, I have to ask. So when you were at E Network as on Daily Ten, how was it? Like, what did you do every day? How, what did you learn working with Cat? Like, what's like the biggest thing? Because it was I, five years. It was yeah. a long time. A, I, learned, I learned a lot. It was the first job in television where I had to go to work every day. Damn. Like eight to five. Yeah. Like Ugh. I was in there at. <laughs> you're supposed to be there at nine I'm not gonna lie I never got there before ten and the girls just used to be They, I think they learned to be like okay he's gonna go surfing in the morning whatever you know nine thirty, ten o'clock is the earliest you were gonna see me but then you gotta buckle down you get your assignments you're in, you're in this you open up a program and you sit at your laptop and you got your stories and you gotta write and that was the fun part for me. It's like putting on the music and getting creative and being like, okay, how do I take this story and make it unique and fun in a way that people might be able to laugh a little bit, a little wink and a smile. Um, so you do that part. We'd have our production meetings. You know, you f- figure out who you might interview that day. And then, you know, you go down to hair and makeup around 2 o'clock. 
you talking shit, getting ready, yeah. like getting clothes, stylists, and all that, and you're seeing everybody. You know, it's funny. G four and E were there at this at the same place, and um, our studios were adjacent. So every day I went downstairs, I'd be in the makeup chair next to Olivia Munn. That's major. Wow. When she was hosting Attack of the Show, yeah. and she'd be talking to me about, oh, yeah, you know, I think I'm, I think I want to, I think I want to act. Oh, really, Olivia? <laughs> How's that going to work out for you? And you know, watching the work that she put in. And the conversations that we would have about, you know, where she was struggling, et cetera, and then watch her just at a certain point, just like, gone. Um, that was, that was, that, that, that made it fun, you know? Um, and then we, you know, we, we record the show and we usually be get out of there about four, four thirty, you know, and that, that was a routine every day. And then sometimes after work, you get a list, like maybe you got to go interview a band that night or yeah. go do a set visit. That night, you know, or on the weekends, there was a, a lot of that. Sometimes you'd go and do a press junket during the day and then run back. Damn. The writers would write for you, but then you'd go in and adjust it for yourself and then re- and then um, record the show. So it was, you know, sometimes you'd fly to, you know, go to New York and do a press junket and fly back the next day or go to Vegas. One time I got a call. They were like, yo, Jay-Z wants you to come interview him at the 4040 Club opening in Vegas. I was like, what do you mean wants me? Like, his people requested that it be you. Because you're so awesome. Like, get out of here. Dude. So you fly there, right? You're sitting there. You're waiting. No offense to Jay-Z, but like, (laughs) he was rapper late. And then you're starting. What's rapper late? Like, really late? Like, late. Yeah, like like rapper late. I don't know. And and I just learned a new term, rapper late. Rapper, there's okay. late, and then there's like rapper late, like hip hop late. There's like hip hop late, which so is like it's like a real impressive, like it's an impressive amount of late. Like, Whoa. like wow, like I wonder if I could ever be so bawling out of control that like this kind of late won't even matter as long as I show up. And just Whoa. when I was starting to think, like, all right, maybe. This dude's not coming. Too good to be true. <laughs> I hear. Sound Master Kayla. I was like, what? That sounded like Jay-Z saying my voice. And sure enough, he comes strolling up and he's like, gives me a dap, etc. Like, thanks me for waiting, apologizing. And then he sp- proceeds to tell me all the things that I've done that makes him know my name. And now you're sitting there just like, wait, what's even happening? Man. We had this great interview. And then he's like, what are you doing tonight? I was like, oh, I'm going to fly back. He's like, no, you're not. So what do you mean I'm not? He's like, nah, you're staying. Oh, my god. His people got me a room. I go to the concert. I go to the opening. And then he's like, you play blackjack? I was like, yeah. He's like, but do you play blackjack? <laughs> I was like, yeah. So I go and I play blackjack with Jay Z. And he's playing the high stakes tables. And I'm watching him spend money that I will never make. <laughs> And it was like one of the greatest nights of my life, like this day that I got to hang out with Jay and he was so cool. Um, and that's the kind of stuff that, you know, you is priceless, you know, in my in my memory bank, you know, it's 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 priceless, especially when you meet really, really talented people who have been icons mm-hmm. to you and those people say, No, I appreciate what you do. That's, that's so humble and that, amazing. That kind of stuff is like that's what keeps you wanting to continue. You know, at least with, with with me. Do you still keep in touch with Jay Z? Or no, no? <laughs> you know, text him like, "Hey, what's up?" <laughs> it wasn't like that. It was more like a Cinderella moment. Like, but, all right, cool, and scene. But still, that's awesome. Like, what a dream. Actually, you know what's funny? I think like maybe a six months or a year later, he was doing. He was 
they were they were doing a show where he was performing the Kingdom Come album from the movie. I forget the name of the movie, but it, um, they had me out and me and Ben Lyons, and we got to go sit up in VIP. And ben Lyons, at yeah. a certain point, Ben and I look over and like there's like Penelope Cruz like just like cruising up next. Like, oh, I'm I'm sorry, Miss. Sure, get get, get in there. Um, but yeah, anytime I ever dealt with them, uh, they were they were kind and gracious, but. So you, like, coming from pop culture and, like, you know, celebrity gossip to now, do you feel like your work is more, not important, but means more, you know, something heavy to you versus before? Listen, I I don't put down the work that I did before because I feel like being on that show, people tuned in every day literally to be like, yo, give me 30 minutes where I don't have to think about my problems, Mm -hmm. like the shit that's going on in my life. My job, whatever, like take me away, and that's, that's what, what we aim to do. And I really tried to make it in a way that people could be like, "Yo, that that's my guy." I wanted people to watch the show and feel like this guy could be hanging out on our couch with us. Dudes would come up yeah. to me all the time and be like, "Yo, I don't watch any of those shows, but I watched that show with my girl because of you." And that was like. That was the highest compliment ever to be like these tough guys to be like, yo, I'll watch E to, to watch you do that. And and also those girls you work with are hot. I'm like, bro, you're, you don't got to hide that. Like, it's all it's all good. Because you're inviting. You're we just were inviting chill. and we had you're a family. Like, you know. I think I think people watched the show and they saw Kat and myself and they were like, they knew like, oh, they hang out. They're, they're, they're peoples. And so it was, like I said before, it was fun until it was no longer mm-hmm. fun. I think now... Yeah, I enjoy the fact that I get to do work that is more timeless, right? Like this every day that you do a show on E, it's like it's here today and gone today. Mm-hmm. It's no longer relevant after it happened. Yeah. But to go out and tell stories about culture and people and and, and places and, and and where we are in 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 time um, that people might want to go back to, or they might be able to identify with these characters that we're telling stories about. For, for where I'm at right now, um, so so much fun. So you're on two Nat Geo shows now, right? Or you're just on the Story of God? I'm on Story oh, of God okay. now. We I finished up Explorer last year. Okay. Story of God now, and working on another show to take out and sell. Awesome. Um, with. With, like, Mr. with 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 Morgan, Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman, yeah. We have a surprise uh, little media pop-up here on the screen when J-Lo pops it up. I, I took a nice little screenshot. There ah. you are. <laughs> that, that is you. Actually, because I stalk you on Instagram. I went through your stories and I found that. <laughs> yeah, that's me just going like, what? That's the day we met. <laughs> yeah. And that literally, that face you see there, like, I'm like, are you kidding? Like, Never in my life would I have ever thought like that, you know Damn. that's I'm I'm cheesing because I can't control myself. You should, you have to frame that. Is that framed? You have to like pop it's that not open it's not framed, but I do have it. Yeah, you yeah. know what's funny about that night that day is I flew back from an event in New York mm-hmm. that morning at like the I had been working another job the day before. Delayed flight took seven and a half hours to get there. I landed. It was in the middle of a rain squall because so it's winter, and I barely, made barely it. made it on time that day. With, with, with God in there, you totally made it. Yes, he, he was you like, be there. don't worry, my son. Yeah, and actually, Just I, make I, it back. I snuck in something really quick with Morgan Freeman, too, afterwards. She'll show you right now, but it was hilarious. It, it's right there. It's... <laughs> ah. <laughs> like, I have to show 
that the sound. He looks like he enjoyed being next to you way more than he enjoyed being next to me. That's I see you. I see you, Morgan. Look at that player eyes and everything. You know what? That was right before the um, the panel with you guys. Yeah. That was his roundtable that he had with the executives. So. Ah, that's cool. Yeah, you know, that's, that's really the cool. selfie of the selfie. I don't even take selfies anymore. That's but it. But yeah, you know, when it's with God, it's like, okay, um, we got to do this. But, you know, I want to talk now more about your music. So tell us about Alakazam and how music kind of influenced you growing up because your dad was such a huge musician and he worked with Paul Simon and all these like-minded people. So how was that, you know, transitioning that from kind of like a TV host correspondent now you know, to making music, making music, which is totally normal. Yeah, Wait, no, but <laughs> not yet, not you at all. You are so well rounded. Thank you. You do everything. Damn. I I, I appreciate that. And music, <laughs> like I said before, you know, that's that's how I grew up. You know, my earliest memories with my father was not like, you know, some people some people's parents took them, you know, to little league or to the zoo, to, to, the, zoo <laughs> or to, to, to the park or to a baseball game. I was literally in the club. In the jazz club at five, six years old in New York City. Yeah, you know, at two in the morning, and that was my that was my dad time. Was watching this man just blow people's minds, and like I I say, like he used to steal steal. He was a soul stealer. That's the way he communicated with his trumpet and with his voice uh, as a singer. My father was a freedom fighter. He was a political exile from South Africa during the apartheid regime. Oh, wow. So for 30 years, my father could not go home. He risked death uh, or imprisonment for life because he spoke out against the racist government um, of apartheid. So for 30 years, he was, through his music, trying to educate people and also sell them on what was so amazing about South African culture through the music that they'd want to take a look and be like, hey, wait a minute. There's a whole racist setup down there and we do business with them? No. No. And he was one of the people to help build that momentum that I think helped apartheid event eventually end. Um, my dad put you know instruments in my hand early. Also, growing up in New York City, like when you're like in the third, fourth grade, they put you in a room with a bunch of instruments, and they're like, "Go pick one." Yeah. And so I played in the band early in elementary school, and then junior high, and I sang in the choir. Alto or soprano. <laughs> Uh, I would say that I am a, a soprano <laughs> who, 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 who sometimes dances slightly higher. Um, but um, it was, it was, uh, it was, it was. Music was just always in my life that way. And when I moved to California, suddenly the arts weren't a big deal. Like there was like punk rock and alternative music, which was all new for me, and West Coast hip hop. But I was in a place where, like, there wasn't really, it wasn't, it was all white kids and me. And so that kind of like cultured part of music kind of went away. Yeah. And I discovered, you know, um, sort, of, sort of new stuff. Surfing and, and all Yeah, and, and you know, surfing, skateboarding. surfing, skateboarding, snowboarding, that kind of became my music. And what I loved about those sports was that you really got to, like, express yourself in a musical, artistic mm-hmm. way. Um, and it was hard. And, as my television career got popping and wrapped around this thing, it was almost like a relief because I didn't have to be Hugh Masekela's son. 
this global icon, like you said, you know, Paul Simon. Yeah. You know, I toured with my dad and Paul Simon on the Graceland tour what? As, a, as a kid. My dad took me out of school for two months, and I traveled the world. How do you top that? I mean, that's that's it. Like, it was, it was amazing. Oh I, I always God. say that being a roadie at 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 fifteen, sixteen is why I didn't go to college. Like, almost famous the movie. I lived that. You have a college of life. Yeah, you had like complete college of life. Essential things, of yeah. Human connection, and you know. But music was always sort of sitting on my shoulder. Yeah. Going, hey, um, when are you going to get back to me? And I never felt comfortable. Because of what you said, like, people know you as the host of the X Games or the host of the Daily Ten. You know, people didn't know my background or my story. So I was always afraid that I wouldn't be accepted. And and frankly, like, I cared too much about what people might think. And it wasn't until the Daily Ten got canceled and I went through what I talked about, Mm -hmm. you know, relationship-wise, that I didn't have anything to lose. And at the time, my, my, my cousin, Sonny, he called me up one day and he's like, I had been traveling and just kind of trying to get my head right. And he called me one day. He's like, yo, are you done with your Eat, Pray, Love? I, was, <laughs> I love that. I was like, yeah. He's like, okay, let's make this record. And that's how I went in the studio to work on the first album. Um, and it all came naturally for me. Like the writing um, really came naturally. And... I just felt like I was where I was supposed to be, where I just go in every day for two months with a bunch of really great musician friends of mine. And I wasn't afraid of what the outcome was going to be. And I sure as hell didn't think that we were going to make the record that we made, like the first album, you know. Um, I sent it to a friend of mine uh, whose name is Scott Venner. Scott Venner is the music director for Ballers um, and at the time Entourage. Now, I knew Scott. Because he was a producer at MTV okay. when I was on MTV. Like, literally, like, hold cue cards and stuff. Yeah. And he would go on to have this incredible career. So I said, who's the most critical person that I know that I could send this record to and know whether or not I'm crazy? Because, you know, you could be stoked on something. Yeah. But then it goes out into the world and people are like, shh, shh, don't ever do that again. Yeah. And I sent it to Scott because I knew that he would just not bullshit. And then three weeks later, I get an email from him that says, hey, unfortunately, literally it says, unfortunately, this is really good. That's amazing. And I'm putting this song, It's Not You, It's Here, is going to be on one of the final episodes of Entourage. I was like, what are you even saying? Are you serious? I'm not kidding you. On that show. On that show. Oh, my So third episode, final season, um, big scene. Here, here, Here I am singing to you in this show. And that was like the that was like the biggest validation. Where it's like, hey, don't you ever worry about what people might think again. And people didn't know it was me because I decided not to go by Sal Masekela. I decided to go by Alakazam, which is Masekela backwards. My last name backwards. Is that what it is? Is Alakazam? I'm like trying to Google. I'm like, what does this mean? Yeah, you just got to look at it long enough, and then it's like, oh, it's right in front of me. What? Yeah. Oh, my God, it is. And I did that because I wanted to see if... Oh, my God. If the music... If the music would have an opportunity to reach people's ears without this thing getting in the way, how people might react. And it was it was crazy. Like, next thing you know, like, we're on the blogs. People are like, who is Alakazam? Because I didn't put my face anywhere. 
It was and just Alakazam. Yeah. Boom. Who, who's and I'm reading this, reading people like speculating yeah. about who this new artist Alakazam might be, and it was a trip. It was like sitting there watching your own life taking place, you know. And um, got on a bunch of other shows, you know, House of Lies with another song, and then I went back in the studio in 2016 with Sonny and made another album. Um, this one is is. Uh, I'm I'm really 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 excited about. It. I ended up doing. I did a single with Too Short on this love record. Too Short. Um, and you song. like ASAP Rocky too? Yeah, I love I saw ASAP your story Rocky. I'm yesterday. A huge fan. <laughs> oh, if I could collab with ASAP, that would be amazing. But it was cool to be like, hey, who would be good on this song, Oshante? And I remember being being like, oh, Short would be amazing on this. And my boy B side, my manager was like, you know him, don't you? I was like, yeah. He's like, well, you should call him. I like, no, I'm not gonna ask him. So I sent te- short a text and I sent it to him. Next thing you know, I was like, "Yeah, I'll get on it," and like hit hit me back in like two weeks later with like a dope ass verse. Um, we got this song "All Is Forgiven" to be the closing song to the season premiere of House of Lies wow. in season five two years so ago, impressive. which was like you know when things like that happen, you know it's just it's just fun. I got to go play Bonnaroo with my band. I went to play Afropunk in Paris last year. Um, so it's it's been fun to it took me a long time to get out of my own way and start to put my face in it. Mm-hmm. Like even for the first few years, I was just kind of content to push the music here and there but not really put my fa- my face out there. I I had this complex where I thought I was going to get in the way. You know, speaking of complexities and being authentic and true to yourself, how long did it take you to fully arrive to Sal, like who you are? Without, you know, no judgment from anyone. Because you talk about how sometimes you would care about what other people think. We still do. I do a lot of times. I think it takes a long time to mentally get there. How did you and how long did it take you to be who you are right now? Yeah, I think it's still a work in motion yeah. for me. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm still I'm complex in that I like a lot of different things. Yeah. And sometimes I have to re- remind myself that I don't need permission to be in those spaces. I was on an audition a couple of weeks ago um, for a TV show as an actor. I was going to ask you if you want to act. No way! And that's, that's why I initially moved to L.A. was oh. I was studying acting. And oh. and so about a year and a half ago, I said, you know, I want to... There's another itch. Music was yeah, on this side of the yeah, shoulder, yeah, yeah. and it, this side was like, "Are you gonna get back to it?" Yeah. Um, I started auditioning um, a lot more, and I, I had to have that conversation with myself in the car before I walked in there, where I was like, "Yo, they want to see you, so go in there and give it to them." And I crushed it. It was like one of the best auditions of my life, and you know, I have to constantly, I have to be okay. I think with letting go of how I got here. And being excited about where I'm going, yeah, and that's the part that I that I continue to to. I'm happy that I want to be different. I'm happy that I I did what I what Jay Z used to say. He said, uh, "You like my old music, buy my old album." You know, mm. and I, that's how I feel about where I'm going. I have to remind myself that, like, you know, it it takes. It's easy to do the thing that everyone knows you for. Yeah. It's a lot harder to show them who you are today. Are you ready to go in like 100 with oh. acting and just full on and Yeah, I'm I, I see you. I'm, oh, I'm, I see you. I'm I'm <laughs> I'm I'm booking something this year. For sure. I'm 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 booking something this year. And I've I've gotten to do some great cameos, you know. I got I got the I'm the opening scene in uh Uncle Drew 
Um, okay. I got a really funny cameo with uh, with Lil Rel that we had a blast shooting the scene where I'm I'm a, I'm a, a reporter for um, for for Slam Magazine, Basketball Magazine. I got to be in um, Point Break Two, which was fun. Went to Italy for that. So you know you you get comfortable on set and you're like, I, you know what? Let me let me get back yeah. to. I know that I have something to give creatively. Otherwise, I wouldn't try. It's not about being famous. It's about like, can I explore this other end of myself create create creatively? Um, and I think the music definitely helped to push me in that direction. And also tell stories, right? Yeah, it's That's, all storytelling. It's all storytelling. You, na- you on the head at the end of the day, whether I'm making music, whether I'm commentating a sports event, any of this stuff, it's all storytelling. You know, if I'm sitting behind, you're you're a storyteller. A damn good interview, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. In a, in a time when people like don't really take their craft seriously, I can't tell you how re- like how much of a relief it is to sit with someone who like actually like loves what they do because oh, it shows. So sweet, Sal. Um, Thank you. No, you're welcome. I'm very, very, very impressed. And who does their research? Thank but you. yeah, it's storytelling. End of the day, end of the day, it's all storytelling. You know, I took a screenshot of something you posted on Instagram, and I just had to share it because she's got the receipts. You know, I folks. I had to repost it because she's it was so good. <laughs> the receipts—that's funny. You don't have to shed anything to be. You've just got to be. Embrace your effing weirdness, the shit that you are, and the shit that you are not. Yeah. Talk more about that and how our young society of millennials or whatever it is can achieve that right now with the world that's so, you know, superficial and hard to kind of fit into. I couldn't imagine being in my late teens, in my teens, early 20s right now. Like, I literally would be like, yo, can I get a time machine (laughs) to the olds, please? Because... Every day you're wait, you're a you're still you're in your formative years, right? So like you're in that time where you're like I you feel like you know everything, but you're still changing every day in ways that you're not aware of. But you also have access to literally like millions of comparative images of what your life could be oh. every day. I pick pick up your phone. Open it up and it's like, oh, that's cool. Looks like a cool version. That looks like a cool version. Oh, maybe I want to be that. Maybe I want to be that. Oh, that's what happens if you if you're your whole self. People are going to criticize you that way. I don't want to be that, right? And so now, like you're changing subconsciously, but then you're trying to make all these other changes up here, and it literally like you're you're from a soul standpoint, mind and heart that your 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 spirit is like, what is happening? And I think it's why there's such massive amounts of depression. I think it's why there's such massive amounts of, like, kids feeling, like, massively insecure that if they leave the house and they don't, they're not wearing a certain uniform or looking like how everyone else does or sounding like how everyone else does, like, that they don't know how to be, you know? Um, and also just the amount of, like, just vicious, 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 like, the way people treat each other online and how that affects it. I'm an adult and I know that when that when when people when my comments get loaded up with people who are trolling what have you I have to like take a breath because you still feel it if I was a kid and I was getting that from kids that I'm going to see at school every day and I know that like 
there's teams that are targeted against me and that this is that my popularity and how people look at me as a human being are dictated by the conversations that people are having online, not in front of my face every day. And there's layers and layers and layers of that. I don't even know how I would function. So I feel for these kids. And I spoke at a school recently where I went to sort of tell my story a little bit about um, my how I, I entertainment business at this art school in Santa Barbara. And afterwards, a bunch of kids came up to me and they started telling me like, yo, like I got off Instagram. This one kid, like 16, I'm 16 years old. You got off Instagram. It's like the best thing that ever happened to me. It's like the amount of like just the shit that I was dealing with on a daily basis. Like I couldn't deal with anymore. And now I get up every day. I pick up my camera. I do this. And I'm not worried about getting people's approval mm -hmm. for the decisions I make every day. I didn't grow up that way. Yeah. Like the only approval I got was like from my friends or like people I met in the street. And the things that I were inspired, the things that inspired me, I had to go out and choose to see, and then make a choice whether or not that you know was going to move me. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's it's a two edged sword, right? Like kids have access to everything, and at the same time, kids have access to everything. And I always say the best thing about the internet is that everybody got a voice, because mm -hmm. there are some people who are trying to overcompensate for the things that they feel horrible about in themselves, they the only way that they can compensate for that is to find ways to attack and demean others. And that literally is what's fueling their self-esteem. By typing just all the bad stuff. Yeah. And they put yep. the phone down yep. and they feel great. It's like doing a hit of, yeah. of, of crack or whatever and they feel great for a little while and then they're just like hungover. So like, well, what am I going to do? I guess I better pick up the phone again and... Yeah. Ah, yeah, I feel good again. It takes willpower to actually be off of social media. Yeah, we wake up, we look at it. Oh, who commented? Who messaged? This and that. And for a sixteen-year-old to do that, oh, it's it's awesome. For kids, I I just couldn't, I couldn't imagine. It's tough. It's tough. Um. So, yeah, I I post that because you know, and people responded to that in really crazy ways. It was just a thought that I had. Um, people need to know that it's okay. Like how you are today is fine. And if you're different tomorrow, that is also fine. You know, and if, and if you're not, there actually might be a problem because growth and mm -hmm. change is the best thing that can happen to you. Like for me in my career, big failures have been the best gift mm -hmm. for me. Like the daily 10 getting canceled as much as I was sick of talking about the Kardashians every day. <laughs> um, it was still a shot to my ego yeah. that like, oh, y'all going to keep Seacrest and not me? Yep. Yeah. I, I came on at 7. Uh, he Seacrest came on at 7. I came on at 7.30. Yeah. And they kept everybody on our staff. Cat stayed, etc. I was the only person that they let go. Wow. That was a tough thing to my ego. Because like I said, you I know. I did not know that. that yeah. Were, oh, wow. I was the only person that they let go it's funny that day when um when they were telling us that the, the show was canceled they called me upstairs to like the fifth floor to an executive's office and i went into the woman's office i forget her name but there were like three other like yeah. male executives in there i was like this is strange and then they told me and then they all like kind of 
they're like, we love everything you do, blah, 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 blah. Oh, and the show's canceled. And I realized, I'm like, oh, y'all brought all these other people in here because you thought I might while out. Oh, my God. Really? Like, you thought, like, I was going to, might, yeah. I might while out. Get the like, chair and be like, <laughs> You know, thought I was going to have a ditty moment. And I, I remember this peaceful calm coming over Reserved me. And, and I was like, because they literally said it just like this. We're going to keep everybody on the staff. Um, Kat's going to stay and be a part of uh, E! News as well as the rest of the staff. And we'll be letting you go. There was a part of me that was like, don't you know who I... And then I just had to be like, okay. You know, you kind of go numb, right? Because this is like, this is a big part of your identity. And then I remember the thing that popped into my head was like, okay, I have a year and a half left on my contract. And I just remember going... So you'll be paying me all that, <laughs> right? And they went, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and there'll be a little seven. I was like, so I get paid, like, for the next year and a half? All I could think of was, like, freedom! Get the bag. And um, <laughs> I had to stay. We had to stay you two had, more weeks, though. Oh. So now you're walking through the halls, and people are like, hey, you know, they don't want to look you in the eye because they know what time it is. And then it really starts to settle in, like, the amount of work and the relationships that you've built. And, you know, I had great relationships with every producer, every editor, every production assistant. Like, we were a family um, on the staff. And on that day, you know that you're the only one leaving. That was tough. Did they say why? Or did you ask them? Or you at that point, you didn't care? You were I like, didn't maybe care. Maybe politics or whatever. At like, that point, I was like, look, you know, the, the bag... Seacrest holds the bag. He had like a thirty million dollar deal. They, you know, Kardashians was popping off, etc. There just wasn't room for a me, and that's okay. You know, you, you. It takes a little while to get over the point where you're thinking about it personally. Like, what was wrong with me that I didn't get to stay, even though I didn't want to be there? It still messes with your head. Of course. Um, but like I said before, like it ended up being the greatest gift. If they wouldn't have canceled that show. We wouldn't be talking about these two albums that I got to make. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't be in this position where I'm talking about, you know, doing like the, some of the best work of my life with Morgan Freeman. Which is a whole different level of amazingness. That's like Morgan Freeman that you're producing with and working with. and Yeah, and, and, and getting and, an opportunity to create and make yeah. things as opposed to hoping yeah. that someone's going to like, please, may I have some more? But at the same time, it's so positive the way you looked at it. Oh, yeah. You know? And like I said before, the, those were some of the best times of my life. But they weren't sustainable. And if I wouldn't want to be in a position today where, you know, seven, eight years later, I was still... If people only saw me as mm-hmm. a gossip guy. like Because then you're just you're locked. And unless you've arrived and gotten that bag, yeah, well... You know, is that really what you want? But for me, I, I, I couldn't picture that. But, you know, you are doing way more right now in so many different ways. Where that was like, it was a chapter and opened up so many So many doors. Things. And that's the truth of our industry. A lot of people always say, you know, how do you survive when nothing's consistent and so up and down? Well, we signed up for it. We know how it is. Yeah. And I always say, have other hustles on the side to pay your bills and focus on it every day but, yeah. and put it out there in the universe. That's it, why I'm out in the valley doing these strip shows. <laughs> you know? At Savage next catch, door. Catch, no, me, no. catch me at Savage uh, <laughs> Saturday night. Um, 
I'll be in the little ding thong. No ho. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> nah, you know, I came up. I was, I was, I did construction. I was a janitor. Um, I worked at Bank of America in customer service as a teller. Um, Me too. No way. Bank. See, Ooh, I didn't do wires. I don't do wires. Yeah, they didn't trust me with that. The, moving that big money across state lines. Just straight deposits. Yeah, straight deposits, <laughs> cash and checks. But I did work in the customer service center where I answered the phone calls. Okay. Where people would be like, "Where's my money?" <laughs> um, please don't use that language with me, sir. Uh, hold one moment. Um, and I, I, you know, I, I got to do everything under the sun: bartender, barback, etc. I know that, like, if worse comes to worse and I don't have a career tomorrow in entertainment, like, you might catch me literally, like, waiting tables at a nice restaurant. Yeah, well, what a, or a bartender or somewhere. Or bartender somewhere and be good. Somewhere near a beach where I could surf or in a mountain where I could snowboard. I don't think that it's going to come to that. But no. at the same time, I always, I'm always comfortable in knowing that, like, at the end of the day, I know how to survive whether I got, like, Literally changing a change jar, yeah. or I can see numbers on my bank statement. Neither one defines me. Neither one of those situations is the definition of who I am. And so once once you lose, once you lose it, like the thing about like making money, like giving you happiness and defining yeah. you, it's actually easier to get because you're now you're not like chasing this thing like you have to have it, you know. Um, you're able to make some decisions where you're like, okay, well, let me try that thing just because I think it might feel good. And, oh, there might be some money behind that. I think it's also about um, just satisfying your soul as yeah. a human. It's all about joy. I listen to a lot of Abraham Hicks, and she talks about how life is just all about just filling your bucket. Yes. Being in the vortex. Yes. Just keep on filling it up. If you talk to someone, it feels good. Continue. If it doesn't, stop. Yeah. Same with work and, and your jobs throughout the day or whatever. And the money will flow. I think our mindset right now as millennials is to just get rich quick overnight. But it, it's never overnight. You know? It's, Man. Like. Yeah. Yeah. That's the part that's hard. If I saw like some. I follow a couple like these sneakerheads. You know, these young 18-year-old sneakerheads that are, like, delivering shoes to the stars. And they're, like, you know, they're taking pictures with their Lambos, <laughs> etc. I'm like, man, if I was this age and I saw that that was a thing, I would think that I could leapfrog to that. That's yep. a one in 100,000 type, not even yeah. one in a million type situation. And, um, yeah, like, once some, everyone forgets that once someone's post goes up, they're back to whatever shitty part of their life well, of is going on. It's all fake anyway. Social yeah. media, I mean, it's all constructed and we get so deep into it. We have to just find out, think about how it's just fun. It's something for fun. If you look at it anything it, more than that, um, you know, yeah, you're, you, you're missing the plot. Man, I still have so many things to ask you, but we're running out of time. But one thing is if you were, if you had the chance to have your own billboard, right, on Sunset, mm -hmm. and if you had the choice, to put any kind of message on that billboard, what would it say? Well, this is a great question. <laughs> um, I stole it from Tim Ferriss. <laughs> okay. That's cool. I I, you that. know what? I respect that. I, I respect that. <laughs> um, I would say that uh, you're not as important as you think. So be sure to take the time 
to get to know those around you, even if even if they look or don't look like someone you need to know. Um, I think that's one of the biggest, that's the thing that breaks my heart the most about where we're at as a collective society, the manner in which how you think, who you pray to, um, being able to put you on a pedestal where that, that means that you don't have to deal with or entertain other type of people because they're not on your level. Um, that part, especially when it comes to like the choices that people make from a gender perspective, sexuality choices, um, religion, race, the idea that in 2019 we're still in some sort of weird bullshit ass competition to see who gets to stand first in line on the way to dying. And I say on the way to dying because we are all racing towards a stop sign in this existence, this journey. But the idea that like the people on top are able to still, and when I say the people on top, I mean religion, I mean politics, I mean all the power brokers mm -hmm. business are able to pit people against one another over these things that will make no, like none of these things will allow you to dodge bullets. I don't care how many times you go to church a week and, mm -hmm. and you're told that your God is the best God. You can walk out the street tomorrow and you're not, you don't know what's on the other side. Nipsey Hustle. Exactly. Right there. Like, Rest in peace. We love you. But I mean, yeah. yeah, everyone can get it. I could leave this interview right now. It could be a wrap. So, yeah, that that's the part that I would put on a billboard, yeah. you know, is just remind people, like, it ain't that serious. So enjoy while you're here as many people around you as you can because they're going to enrich your existence. You know, to add to that, your parents had um, told you, you know, while growing up to always look at people with um, curiosity and compassion, right? Yeah. So I think that's how people should kind of move forward. Yeah. They deal with humans. That the was a big part of... Biggest gift that my parents gave yeah. me. Like, I don't think I would be this way unless I was taught that to literally embrace and be curious about yeah. everyone. They never said, like, oh, those people or those people, you know, and I never had that. Like, my, my father was from South Africa, my mother's from Haiti, my stepfather was Puerto Rican. Wow, that's an awesome mix. So I, I, I started off yeah. with, like, a dope advantage, yeah. you know? Um, and then the fact that, you know, I got to travel the world with my dad and be exposed to different cultures and peoples. And I also lived in different situations, you know, like you suddenly find yourself in a high school, like you're the only black person that must be hard. with like thousands of white kids. And again, thank goodness for the Mexicans. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Man, you're like funny. The, the Mexicans literally like came and got me. Like, we got you. <laughs> we got, you, we got bro. you, bro. We got you. Like, don't worry. We got you. And they always have my back. Um, but I, I used to trip out when I first moved to California and I hear these kids like in front of me and think it was okay to say wetbacks, you know, yeah. to call people beaners. And I'd be like, whoa, 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 what are you saying? Like, oh, you think that because I'm not them that you can say that shit in front of me? That's basically the equivalent of you dropping an M-bomb on me. So yeah. that's going to stop. And they'd be so puzzled. Like, hey, man, like, why are you so... Don't get so bent out of shape. Yeah. And you realize, like, oh, that's how your parents talk at home. That's how you get, like, people get conditioned into thinking that they're special and that they could talk shit about other people. 
And it's only because they're afraid. And But you're going to go and eat, you know, bean and cheese burritos every day at lunch. Right? We're going to go to the Mexican spot. You know? So, or, you're, or you're the weird one for actually backing them up and be like, you can't talk to them like yeah, that. Yeah, no, I or, never. Yeah. Yeah, they, 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 they learn quick not to, not to do that around me. And I, and it's, Good. And I still, I still fight for that every day. And, you know, even on social media, anytime that I might take a stand for people. It would be so crazy to see how quick people yeah. just be like, hey, man, why do you have to make it about race? Yeah. You think I wake up in the morning? Do you think any of us who are not white people wake up in the morning and go, ah, I really, really hope I get to deal with some race shit today? Not one person. What it takes to, like, literally put on like invisible armor and have to have some special tools in your pocket in case you deal with some racial bullshit every day that takes energy it's like turning on your phone opening up all the apps right and you know and turning your screen all the way up and bluetooth and 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 wi-fi and expecting your battery to last all day that's not going to happen I imagine. and but that's what it's like when you're dealing with that level of ignorance all the time. You have to walk around like on, and I, and I'm wondering what it's going to take for us societally. Like, imagine how dope life would be if we could just let that bullshit go yeah. and get some new problems. I'm ready for yeah. some new problems. The you know the the competition for like who's the coolest person in a bag of flesh. Yeah. That you didn't have a choice of what this bag of flesh is. That that baffles me. Well, I feel you 100%. Because <laughs> <laughs> if I don't stop this interview now, it's going to go on. They're going to be like, talk, hey, never but, have him no, back. No, you're, you're, we're going to have you back again. He went on so many tangents. No, you're awesome. Uh, in the meantime, where can everyone find you on social media and and listen to your album? Where oh, can they cool. find your album? Uh, at Sal Masakella is what I'm at, where I'm at on all the things. I don't really do much in the way of Facebook, so come and find me on the gram or on Twitter. Um, and Alakazam you can find on Apple Music, on Spotify, um, anywhere that you listen to music, um, Alakazam. Awesome. Thank you. And thank oh, the you, new guys. Al- the new album's yeah. called Soundproof Heart. Soundproof Heart. And check that out. And you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Luisa Charmatian. Thank you. Man, this our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.